This is Carolyn Holly. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, no game plan, no victory. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Dutch Bros of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. Therapeutic Associates Physical Therapy, your partner in health. And Summer's Funeral Home, every life leaves a legacy. McDowell's Specialty Repair, Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle & Cook Mortgage LLC. And now here's your host for Game Plan for Life, Skip Hall. Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Well, today, a very special guest, a former player of ours at the University of Washington who went on to, uh, well, he led us to the Rose Bowl for one thing, but then he went on to play in the NFL and, and has had a great career in athletics and He's now a professional speaker. He's asked to speak in a lot of different places, major companies and, and all that. But, you know, being successful in, in sports has led to a lot of other things. Uh, Tom's a natural leader. He's got an ability to communicate real business solutions with humor, wit, and razor-sharp insight. And it's made him one of the most sought-after authorities on leadership today. So I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from him. He's also good at empowering people. He does keynote presentations, uh, connecting the head and the heart, and allowing people to, to lead the way and accelerate performance at every level of the enterprise. So without further ado, welcome Tom Flick. Wow, Skip, it's great being with you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, I used to kid Tom back when he was playing at Washington. I used to call him Tommy Flick from Pumpkin Creek. And uh, <laughs> that that was uh, kind of a, a fun way of of teasing him a little bit, but uh, he did a great job for us. And uh, we're going to hear his story here in just a moment. So we'll, uh, at the end, we'll give out his website if people are interested in learning more about him or what's going on. But uh, like I say, he, he's spoken to Marriott, to Boeing, a lot of the major companies, a lot of organizations, and, and uh, he's got some golden nuggets that I hope he'll share with us today. So all right, Tom, the first thing is we'd like to hear your story, where you grew up, and kind of march us through the college years, the professional career and in and, and the NFL, and then you, how you got to where you are today. Wow. Okay, Skip. Um, here we go. I'm, I'm one of seven kids, six out of seven on the totem pole, uh, born in Patuxent River Naval Air Station. My dad was a naval aviator, and he was a commander. He had 20 years, and so he retired the year that I was born, so I'm kind of the retirement baby. Uh, at that point, my dad said, uh, you know, took the advice of go west, young man, mm. and ended up on a horse ranch in Oregon. Uh, after four years there, we were in Missoula, Montana, and then finally settled in Redmond, Washington, Bellevue, Washington, yep, where I grew yep, up and went yep. to Lake High School. Yep. And uh, so I, I was one of the brothers that I have lots of brothers and sisters, but they all played sports. Uh, one was a surfer, one was a professional skier, one was a golfer, one was a tennis player. Uh, I liked the ball that wasn't round, uh, football, <laughs> and so I pursued that. Played at Interlake High School in Bellevue, Washington, and then was recruited by you and the University of Washington and 
and this new coach that arrived and his coaching staff, Don James. And mm. Skip, you were a part of that. The James Gang. And it was the beginning, the James Gang. It was the uh, beginning of one of the great eras of uh, Husky sports, Husky football of all time. And I was just blessed to be a part of it. So I, I signed on to be a Husky. I uh, backed up a guy named Warren Moon. Most people who are on your not a bad uh, player. Listening in. <laughs> now, I, I just figured I'd let him play out his career before I took over. <laughs> there and you so, go. Uh, so eventually started my junior and senior season and played well enough uh, to be blessed to be drafted into the National Football League. I was drafted by a young coach who had his first head coaching job. His name was Joe Gibbs mm-hmm. for the uh, Washington Redskins. Um, I always remember that when he came out to work me out individually, I didn't know that he was the head coach. I didn't have an idea who he was. Mm. I thought he was a scout. And so I was goofing around and putting my arm around his shoulder, talking to him. I'm just having a fun time. And uh, he said, I'll see up in Coach James' office. I walked in the door about an hour later after it got cleaned up, and I heard Coach James say, well, how do you like being a head coach, Joe? And so that was uh, a shocker for you. Uh, apparently it didn't hurt my standing because he still drafted me. So. Yeah. That's great. Uh, struggled, uh, Skip, to be honest with you, in the National Football League. I had uh, dreams and goals from a young boy to be a professional football player, and once I achieved that, I didn't have really any dreams after that. And so I was a backup most of my career for seven seasons. Um, played on teams that really weren't that successful. I'd like to think that I played on the teams that made it possible for all the other teams to go to the Super Bowl. Wow. I mean, we were, we were kind of fractured. Um, uh, kind of clicks and subgroups. Uh, we just weren't teams that really kind of function uh, uniformly. We didn't really come together and, and bond, and and so it was a struggle. So I yeah. finished the NFL after seven seasons. I finished um, the reason I left the game, which was kind of the big change in my life, was the fact that uh, my mother contracted pancreatic cancer, mm. and. Um, during training camp, I just could not get my head around sports. Yeah. I couldn't get around the playbook. I couldn't think. Um, she was given just a couple months to live. And so uh, I was I was released. And I remember being called into the coach's office, Joe Walton, who was the head coach of the Jets at the time. And he said, Tom, you're just not mentally with us. And mm. I said, you know, coach, I can't explain it. I just, I get it. I've got some personal things going on. And and uh, so I was released. Um and so that ended my football career, but in the other greater sense of things, in God's greater plan, I had a chance to spend that time with my mother and uh, was fortunate to share the gospel with her, and she came to know Christ, oh, and and that was the greatest and most glorious day of my life, um, seeing my mom come to Christ. Yes. So, um, so after that, you know, you kind of wonder what you do, you know, as a football player. And, and I, I've made the statement many times before, and I don't mean to sabotage any of my teammates or guys I've played with, but I, I really do feel that um, professional athletes sometimes could be the most insecure people on the planet. Um, and the reason that I say that, I don't say that as a, as a hard knock. I just say that as a reality because... From a very young age, we're taught that there might be something a little bit special about us because we could either throw a football or shoot a basketball or hit a baseball. And you get to hand in your homework a little bit later than anybody else. You get a little bit, a few more breaks than other kids might get. And then when you get to high school, you start to see your name mm. written in the newspapers yeah. and you start to think, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty special guy. Mm-hmm. And it kind of skews, skews the mindset, and at least it did for me. Um, 
if you would have met me, I would say that you people would say, hey, uh, Tom was a good guy and a nice guy. And I was simply because I had great parents who taught me courtesy, manners, and kindness, and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in my heart of hearts, well, I know in my heart of hearts, um, you know, it was all about me. It was, you know, it was the filter of, of for Tom Flick. If it was good, count me in. If it didn't really benefit me, then, you know, no thanks. Um, that all got kind of erased when my third year in the NFL, uh, I got uh, released. And uh, But the backstory of that, I think this is the most important thing I can share here, is that um, I had an arm injury. If many people know what the Tommy John injury is for a thrower, right, for right. a pitcher, for a quarterback, it's that elbow, it's that ulnar nerve in the elbow that goes numb and, and needs to be surgically moved to the other side of the bone. And typically what happens is that you don't play anymore. You're done throwing your career is over, and that's what happened to me my third year in the league. I was injured. I got um, diagnosed by uh, the, the doctor staff and training staff for the Patriots, and they said, hey, you're done. You need surgery. Mm-hmm. And I said, can I go back and get a second opinion with my doctor in Seattle, Dr. Stephen Bramwell, who was our sure, physician, sure, CF, sure. as you know. And yep. I saw Steve, and he said, yeah, you know, that's about the size of it. You need that. And at that time, when I went back to Seattle, I was only home for four days. I was invited to a Bible study, and a friend of mine from college just said, hey, I'm going to a Bible study, would you, would you want to come? And, and truthfully, I, I thought, yeah, I'll come for one reason, I don't need any more spirituality, because, uh, you know, I went to church as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm covered, <laughs> uh, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I only cuss occasionally, I thought, so, you know, I'm, I'm in. So I went, and when I went, I heard this man for the first time ever share the Gospel. Uh, that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. Yes. And i got to tell you, Skip, it's a wonderful day when you realize you're a sinner, because up until that point, you don't realize you need a Savior. Mm. And at that point, I, in the midst of 45 people in this big uh, house off campus at the University of Washington, I raised my hand and said, hey, excuse me, I actually interrupted the gentleman who was speaking, mm-hmm. and he broke his concentration and said, yeah, what is it? And I said, i got a problem. And he says, what do you mean? I said, I'm a sinner, Mm. and I I don't know what to do about it. And he called me up in front of these 45 people that I didn't know, and he said, said, what's your name? And I said, my name's Tom. And he says, "Um, Tom, you realize you're a sinner? I said, yes, sir, I do. And uh, he said, would you kneel? And if you're really serious about this, you can pray this prayer. And he led me through the sinner's prayer. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, uh, Skip, I tell you, the lights went on. It was just like a bolt of lightning, I sprung to my feet, and I knew at that moment I was washed clean from the crown of yes. my head to the soles of my feet, yeah. and uh, I, uh, I, shook the guy's <laughs> I shook the guy's hand and said, I gotta go, and I waved <laughs> to my friend and said, hey, I'll talk to you later. I, I bolted out of that thing, uh, drove to my girlfriend's house, uh, knocked on her door, she came out, what's going on? I said, I am born again, I've been saved, I, I'm, a, I'm a new creation. Wow. And, uh, and Molly just, uh, we cried and, uh, Molly, who was my high school sweetheart is now, of course, my wife and your dear friends with you in Virginia. Yes, absolutely. And sweetheart. so, um, so she's great, isn't yeah. she? Both our wives. Yeah. We, we were way over our head. We married well. We married well. So the next, the, the end result of that was, um, 
my arm healed. I, my prayer was after that night. I, I said, Lord, if you wanted to take me football away from me, take it away. I don't care. What do you want me to do in life? I just literally said, you point the drag. You open the door, I'll walk through it. Well, he healed my arm. It was the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my mm-hmm. life. Uh, five days later, the, my arm was fine. And, and the way, if I can identify this or communicate this to your listeners, is that if you have your right hand and you can wiggle your fingers, if you take the, your pinky and your ring finger on your right hand, I'm right-handed, they were numb. And they were so numb that one of the tests that the doctors did was you could poke blood, and I couldn't feel it. Yeah. You couldn't feel anything on that arm, and so you couldn't grip a football. That's the that's the ulneritis yeah, or the injury that that's a problem for I a quarterback. <laughs> it's a tremendous problem, Skip. And and anyway, that went away. I flew back to Boston. Um, they, I said, hey, I went to the doctor. I said, I don't need surgery. I'm fine. They said, no, you can't be fine. I said, no, I'm fine. And they gave me a football. I gripped it. Uh, they had me throw some balls and. I said, I don't have any pain. There's no numbness, no tingling. It's gone. It's, I'm fine. Hmm. And so God healed me. And so I knew what was up then. I, I started then to be involved in the Bible study. I started to then be the one that was inviting guys to come to Bible study. And I then got released by the Patriots. I was signed by the Cleveland Browns. And when I was signed by the Cleveland Browns, uh, as a free agent, I remember vividly showing up in the off season, and there's a guy standing there waiting for me. His name's Ozzie Newsom. Yeah. And Skip, you know who he is. Yep. He's a Hall of Fame All Pro, one of the greatest tight ends to play the game. And he greeted me, and he said, "Tom, I just waiting here for you. I just want to let you know, welcome to the team. I just want to share a few things about us here at Cleveland. We have." Uh, we have Bible studies on Thursdays. We have chapel before a game. And on Tuesdays, there's a bunch of guys that are in discipleship. You're welcome to join us mm-hmm. if you want to be discipled. <laughs> and I just knew that the Lord had control of my life. I said, Oz, I'm, I'm there. And uh, I remember one day in the huddle, I would, you know, when you get in the huddle, it's circular, and you put your hands on your knees. Yeah. I was looking, you see a bunch of, you know, cleats around, and I saw on the toe of Ozzy's shoe was a cross. Mm-hmm. And it was written there up with a felt pen. And I said, Oz, what's the deal with the cross? And he said, you know, we got, you know, 20 seconds in a huddle. It's hot out here. It's 90 degrees humidity and 90 degrees temperature, and we're exhausted. And and he said, every time I get in the huddle, I just put my hands on my knees, and I look down at the cross, and I just realize and think about Christ walking to the mm-hmm. to Golgotha and, wow. and allowing people to nail him to that cross. And he says, if he can do that, I can... Yes. I can bust my tail a little bit harder each time I play for his glory, not mine. And, wow. And so Marty Schottenheimer took over for yep. Sam Ritigliano, and I was released and signed by uh, Al, excuse me, Don Coriel in mm-hmm. San Diego. And uh, I knew that when I went there, there's a gentleman named Gil Bird, the all-pro cornerback, mm-hmm. who discipled me with uh, Woodrow Lowe and a couple other guys, Charlie Joyner and so I just kept growing and growing. Last team I played on was the Jets. Um, when I went to New York, was sent to New York. Um, the first thing I said is, "Where's our chaplain?" And they, I asked, you know, I taught, met the chaplain. He said, "When's Bible study?" He says, "We don't have one. Hmm. Uh, there's no believers on the team that I can tell." Wow. And so I could just see that God was maturing me to be, you know, the one that started the Bible step, study and step up, kind of move forward. So that's. I'll stop there. I've been. I've been talking so long, Skip, but that got me to the end of football, my mother uh, receiving Christ, Mm -hmm. and uh, so that's kind of where I was at. 
before yeah. I started my, my career that God called me into. Wow, wow. Well, obviously, faith has played a, a terrific part in, in your story, and and uh, now you're, you're, you're spreading the word. You're sharing the word in, in a number of different ways. Um, I'm going to share just a little bit more about Tom for our listening audience, and then we're going to see if he can, uh, can help us with some, some nuggets, as I call them. Things that uh, that work well in life, things that we need to keep focused on or refocused on, and uh, but first of all, of course, uh, Tom, being an NFL quarterback, understands the demands of performing under pressure, you know, pressure to win, and that's why Tom's message is aimed for the heart to create a deep felt determination to move, make things happen, and and win. For the past 25 years, Thomas worked, maybe it's longer now, the world's most creative and dynamic leaders and organizations, helping them to move faster with less chaos, to succeed in a rapidly changing and highly competitive world. So change, you've been a change expert and a leadership speaker for many, many years, Tom. And I guess what I would ask you, what, what are some of the uh, the, key, the key nuggets that come to your mind here that w- you would share with a listening audience? Well, Skip, I think one of them is that, you know, one of the biggest issues I find when I work with organizations is they end up making it an intellectual exercise. I, I go to a, a conference or I'm in a meeting with a senior leadership team, and the CEO will, will come in and he'll he'll communicate something, but what he does is he'll talk about ROI or metrics or analytics, which are great. I understand those are critically important components, but what he fails to do is he fails or she fails to engage the heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And so leadership is really a head and heart process because um, the world is moving so fast and there's such a high demand on people and and there's a wholeness to leadership, right? Leadership is the little things always make the big difference, right? Mm-hmm. It's always the small things that matter. And engaging the head and the heart is the best way to get people uh, inspired about work and, and really uh, concerned and, and bought into the purpose or the idea. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the biggest issues I've found is engaging the head and the heart. You know, whether you want to be the world's greatest bank or um, the most compassionate hospital or the most uh, service-oriented hotel, feelings are more influential than thought when it comes to affecting change and performance. So, you know, there, there's, a, there's a hard part of it. Uh, we're giving our, our precious time and energy away to something, so there's got to be something more than just analytics and metrics. So that's, that would be one. And that's true for the I family, think, too, right? It's so true for the family. Mm-hmm. It's taking the time, and, and what that really means is taking the time to get to know people, to listen to people, to hear people, to to acknowledge people. I mean, you, you'll get so much more. I mean, that's what I loved about in, in the way um, my position coach, Ray Dorr. I loved Ray Dorr. A good Dorr. friend of mine, yeah. Uh, and a dear friend of yours for ages yep. and, and my greatest coach I've ever had. And you talk to any quarterback who's been under his tutelage will say the same thing. But Ray coached you hard, but you knew, he, he, you knew one thing, that he loved you. Yep. Yep. He loved you, and uh, he cared about you, and he wanted the best for you. And for the, that, you played for him, and you wanted to learn from him, and you enjoyed be around, being around him. And so, so it's the head and heart part of it, I think, is the mm-hmm. first and main thing I would communicate. Okay. Um, I think the second thing, Skip, is this leadership versus management distinction and why it's so increasingly important. The default setting in your brain and my brain and everybody who's listening's brain 
is management. It's the DNA of our, our mindset. And the reason I say that is because we manage everything. We manage our diet, our calendar, our exercise, our workflow, our call list. We manage, manage, manage. And management is an amazing set of actions and behaviors. It's given us the modern-day corporation. Um, management is budgeting, staffing, controlling, planning, smart problem-solving. We use it in work. We use it outside of work. The only problem is with management is it doesn't move anybody forward because that's not its job. The job of management is taking complexity and making it simple or mm, repeatable. Yep. And so we walk around managing our lives and managing our lives. What we fail to do in that process, the teeter-totter gets imbalanced, is that we fail to lead also. Mm. And I'm not saying leadership is better than management or a substitute for it, but we need to level the teeter-totter out. I mean, my colleague, Dr. Cotter at Harvard University, has done research for 40 years. It clearly states that we're overmanaged and underled by a factor of four to one. Wow. So we need to balance this process out. And in leadership, so people will ask, well, what's leadership, Tom? And well, leadership is vision and strategy. It's communicating your vision and strategy. It's motivating action. It's inspiring people. It's getting buy-in. It's removing barriers. It's essentially taking complex systems and people and uh, creating innovation and opportunities mm-hmm. and growth where management is taking complex systems and people and making things run efficiently and effectively hour after hour, day after day. So there's, they're two completely different things. And so I, just, I would encourage people who are listening to just take a moment and sit down and say, how can I be a better leader? How can I? And leadership is just a vast, I will never exhaust the leadership or the understanding of leadership. Leadership can be the little tiny things. It can be the small things that make the big difference. They can, they could uh, be the process of going first and not waiting for someone else to do that. It, it's casting a big vision that, that's so clear, crystal clear for your family or for your organization that the family sits there and says, that's how I want to live. Let's go towards that vision that's so compelling that staying put just doesn't mean as much as it used to. Let's go after that. And so, and encouraging that and, and, and motivating people to, to live and think and see things in that fashion, that's leadership. Yeah. And so those are two big components of leadership, head and heart, and this leadership and management distinction. Yeah, and leader, leadership's all about action, isn't it, Tom? It really is. And I think the main thing to skip about leadership, it's thriving. If, you're, if you run an organization... Uh, and you're listening in to this, it's really driving leadership down through the organization. And when I say leadership, I'm not talking about the title or the position right. of leadership. I'm talking about the actions and behaviors associated mm-hmm. with the word. Yeah. And so since the world is moving so fast with competition and globalization, no longer can one senior leadership team lead the change alone. We have to empower more people below us to lead. You know, to take initiative, to be empowered, to feel that, okay, I, I, I have ownership of this, and I can make decisions without mm-hmm. waiting for someone to, to point me in a direction to go. Right. Well, the first thing leaders need to do is lead themselves. <laughs> you, you hit the gold, and you, you nailed it, Skip. It's self-leadership, right? And I think before we can lead others, we need to make sure that we're good followers ourselves, and we're good leaders as well. And and I think that's so critically important. You have to nail it. So really it is self, you know, self-leadership. Once you get that right, you're halfway home. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's such such good stuff. And now we want to uh, give out the uh, the website, Tom, that uh, people can 
can go to and, and find out more, why don't you give that to us? I'd be happy to, Skip. The website is simply TomFlick.com, and I spell my last name like a movie, F, like in Frank, L-I-C-K, so TomFlick.com. And on that, we provide uh, keynoting services. I do workshops and breakout sessions for organizations, half-day and full days. Uh, I keynote, uh, whether it be senior leadership, mid-management, upper-management, uh, sales forces and and frontline people, and also we have a coaching group there. We have three on our team, including myself, that coach um, people all up and down the hierarchy of an organization. So, if we can serve you and honor you in any way possible, uh, just give us a call. And, and uh, there's a contact sheet there that they're more than welcome to fill out if they'd like to. Okay, so it's TomFlick.com. Yes. All right. All right. Well. Yeah. Again, some some great information, some good nuggets there, Tom. Um, we've got just a couple of minutes left, but uh, one of the things that, that I think is so important in leadership, too, is we get ourselves all tied up and strung out and not don't have fun. You know, I think we've got to have fun with what we're doing. Uh, humor is a big part of it. And I, I've always loved, uh, as I heard you speak uh, one time, I believe it was at an AFLAC uh, meeting, a group uh, of leaders, you told the story about how you were the quarterback and you had to go in the game, and the first guy you looked and saw was Jack Lambert with missing his two front teeth. Repeat, <laughs> repeat that story, will you, for our listeners? Well, you know, Skip, yeah, it was, you know, I'm a rookie. I'm thrilled to be in the game, and I get to the line of scrimmage, and, uh, you know, there's Jack four yards away from me, no teeth in his head, and the first thing out of his mouth, <laughs> You know, after he moves a big nose tackle into the gap, he looks up and sees me and yells at the top of his lungs, Hey! He goes, Hey, who are you? <laughs> uh, and uh, I was just like, you know, I had forgotten the play. I forgot the snap. <laughs> I forgot everything. Yeah, and thank goodness the, the veteran center snapped the ball to initiate the play. But, you know, you're right about that. And I, I got to tell you, uh, and for the listening audience and your impact on my life and Molly's life, you and Virginia have been such wonderful friends and, and role models to us. Skip, you were one of the, if not the first person that got me to speak publicly. Yep, yep. And uh, you, and and I will say one other thing about that is when God called me into speaking after I retired, um, I said, no, thank you. I, right. I actually said, no, I was rebellious. Right. And after two months of pressing in on me, I relented. And the Lord opened the door, but you were the first person yeah. that got me in front of people to speak because I'm pretty shy outside of speaking. I'd rather be quiet, kind of back <laughs> of the room type of a guy. Well, not so, anymore. Not anymore. You have a wonderful message, and you've blessed a lot of people around the country, and you've blessed our listening audience today. And So, Tom, thank you so much, and God bless you as you move forward. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Christian Brothers Automotive, Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment, Domino's, oh yes we did, Rocket Express Car Wash, it's a blast, Diamond Heating and Cooling, Hoffman Auto Body, someone you can trust, Aflac, Canyon County Habitat for Humanity, and Idaho Window Tinting. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the game plan for life. 
Have a great weekend. And remember, no game plan, no victory. 